From Hungry Heroes to Congressional Fashion, in the next 10 minutes, we'll get the lowdown on what's up in the world. I'm Bethany Van Delft, and this is the 10 News. Just last week, some incredible news came out of Washington, D.C. The Senate confirmed Congresswoman Deb Holland to become President Joe Biden's Secretary of the Interior. Why is that a big deal? Holland is the first Native American in our country's history to lead a cabinet agency. Woohoo! She was already one of the first Native American women to serve in the House of Representatives when she was elected to represent New Mexico's first district in 2018. But her new job is even more important because the Department of the Interior is in charge of the Bureau of Indian Affairs. What does that mean? Also known as the BIA, It's the agency responsible for managing the relationship between the government and indigenous tribes. And it has a long history of ignoring and mistreating these indigenous tribes. The Department of the Interior also works to protect endangered species, natural resources, and takes care of nearly 500 million acres of public land. That's one-fifth of the entire United States. Wow. Holland has been pretty open about her support for things like strong environmental protections and creating jobs that support a clean energy future. So we are so excited to see what she'll do in her new position. Did you know that until the 1970s, some members of Congress weren't allowed to wear pants? Our correspondent, Pamela Kirkland, explains why covering your legs used to be so controversial. Pants. We wear them pretty much every day. Although maybe we wear pants a little bit less now that we're doing things remotely. But you've probably never given a second thought to putting those pants on one leg at a time. Well, despite being some of the most powerful women in Washington, D.C., Once upon a time, wearing pants was a big no-no if you were a woman in Congress. Seriously? Believe it or not, women even wearing pants didn't really become a widely accepted way for working women to dress until the 1970s. Are you kidding me? They generally wore dresses and skirts. But in 1969, Congresswoman Charlotte Reed did something no woman had done before. She walked onto the floor of the House of Representatives in a pantsuit. Booyah! One congressman told her, I was told there was a lady here in trousers, so I had to come over and see for myself. Most of the men there that day complimented the congresswoman on her new look. But even then, it was still too much for the very formal U.S. Senate to handle. Whatever. In 1987, Maryland Senator Barbara Mikulski became the first Democratic woman elected to the Senate. At the time, there was only one other serving female senator, Nancy Kassebaum, a Republican from Kansas. Senator Mikulski said she liked wearing pantsuits, and each senator's office had their own rules. But on the floor, women wearing pants was still an unwritten rule. Fast forward to 1993. There were a total of six women senators. One of those new senators was Democrat Carol Mosley Braun, the first black woman elected to the Senate. She'd been wearing pants while serving as state senator for years. But when she got to Washington, she told CNN 
She didn't know she was going to cause such a stir. So I came to work one morning. I had on a pantsuit. I thought I was looking cute. <laughs> I get there and come to find out it was this great hullabaloo behind the scenes about me having on pants. Let's welcome Senator Carol Mosley Ball. So that's what started it. <laughs> Senator Mikulski said she had had enough. She made up her mind women in the Senate should be able to wear whatever they want. She talked about that moment in an interview with CNN's Dana Bash. What you wore became a very big deal. For a woman to come on the floor in trousers was viewed as a seismographic event. The Senate parliamentarian looked at the rules to make sure it was okay, and I kind of walked on that day, and you would have thought I was walking on the moon. Senator Mikulski, Senator Kassebaum, and Senator Mosley Braun, along with a group of female staffers, started a pantsuit revolution in the chamber in February of 1993. And today, instead of a few female senators, there are 24 women serving in the U.S. Senate and proudly wearing pants if they want to. Up next, everyone's favorite nature nerd, Lane Farber, explains how some funky fungus may help astronauts stay safe as they fly through space. So back in December, I told y'all to trade in your swimsuits for spacesuits when SpaceX launched the first commercial rocket ship in efforts to make traveling the galaxy a reality for everyday people like you and me. Now, it's a little early, but... I still think exchanging your one piece for a pressurized space onesie is a pretty good idea. Okay. But you might need one more thing before you book your future trip to Mars. Mushrooms. No way. Yep, that's right, y'all. Mushrooms are the new hot topic in the world of space exploration. But we aren't talking about any old fungus. We're talking about special radiation-loving fungi. Are you feeling a little lost? Well, let me explain. One of the problems of colonizing life on Mars is that it doesn't have the same atmosphere as Earth. Not only does that mean that there's no air to breathe, but also that there's nothing to protect potential visitors from the harsh radiation of the sun and distant galaxies. People, animals, and plants can't survive high levels of radiation. Yikes. Though most organisms die from radiation, there are a few little friends that can't get enough of this stuff. Can you guess who? Uh. That's right. Mushrooms. Fungi. El hongo. Le fungus. So, not all fungi love radiation. But scientists recently discovered a few special species growing in one of the most highly radioactive places on our planet. And where exactly were these special species? Well... They were growing inside destroyed nuclear reactors at Chernobyl, a partially abandoned city in northern Ukraine, and the site of an infamous disaster. The Chernobyl nuclear power plant and the areas surrounding it have been highly contaminated with radioactive waste since one of the plant's four nuclear reactors exploded early on the morning of April 26, 1986. With very little able to survive long-term radiation exposure, the scientists were surprised to find these special spores. Not only were these species surviving, 
they were thriving. Seeing these superspores gave the scientists a neat idea. What if these radiation-loving mushrooms could be used to protect astronauts from radiation? After a few lab tests and calls to NASA, Cladosporium sapherospermum was launched into the cosmos to be studied at the International Space Station. After 30 days of monitoring the unassuming blob of fuzzy dark brown spores, the results were in. The test was a success. The sample reduced radiation and grew at a steady rate. Whoa! The fungus reduced radiation by 2%, which by itself is not enough to protect interplanetary travelers. But the scientists were very encouraged by the results. The researchers are now more curious than ever. They know that fungi has potential and that the possibilities are endless. All they have to do is keep reaching for the stars. Lucky you, it's... What? What? What's the big idea? Trivia on the 10. What did a stuntman in Los Angeles do to help support his favorite local restaurant? Was it A, eat everything on the menu while on top of a moving bus? B, jump from the restaurant's roof into a giant pile of tortillas? Or C, spend 24 hours sitting in a giant bowl of bean dip? Did you guess it? The answer is C. When Ray Hunter Barker heard the Los Toros restaurant, founded in the Chatsworth neighborhood in 1967, was struggling because of the pandemic, he knew he had to do something. Barker says he used to come to Los Toros for family celebrations when he was a kid. In order to help bring the restaurant attention and hopefully customers, Barker got a tattoo of the Los Toros logo while spending a full 24 hours in an inflatable pool full of bean dip out in front of the restaurant. I sure hope nobody dipped any chips in that after he was done. Disgusting. Time's up. But before we go, here's a quick note for the grown-ups. We're hosting a 10 News Town Hall with former commander of the International Space Station, Terry Vertz. And we want to hear from you. Ever wonder what food astronauts really eat? Want to know what it's like to be in space for 213 days? Or how one becomes commander of the ISS? Submit a question of your own by visiting the10news.com. That's T H E. T-E-N-N-E-W-S dot com. And there's a chance your audio may be used as part of the podcast. How cool is that? Houston, we have a great question. Thanks for listening to The 10 News. Look out for our new episodes Tuesdays, Thursdays, and extras on Saturdays. The 10 News is a co-production of Small But Mighty Media and Next Chapter Podcasts and is distributed by iHeartRadio. Our editorial director is Tracy Crooks. Editing and sound design by Pete Musto, who also co-wrote today's episode with Ben Austin DeCampo. Our creative producer is Jenner Pasqua. Stephen Tompkins is our head of audience development. And our production assistant is Sarah Olander. 
Lane Farber and Pamela Kirkland contributed to today's episode. Our production director is Jeremiah Tittle, and the 10 News is executive produced by Donald Albright and show creator Tracy Leeds Kaplan. Do you want to be part of the show? Have a grown-up help you record a question, a joke, or a fun fact you want to share and email it to us at hello at the10news.com. And if you really love the 10 News, go to your favorite podcast app and submit a rating and review. It helps others find the show so they can join the fun too. I'm Bethany Van Delft, and thanks for listening to the 10 News. And be sure to find out who was sitting in your bean dip before you dip a chip.